Hey, good morning, everybody. I thought I'd make one more use of uh, the grad background. Hope that's okay. It's a lovely background. Um, here we are in July. It's the summer. It's hot. In Ontario, we're still here in a, in a uh, state of emergency. I mean, did you ever think we'd still be here when this all began in March? But remember, church, you can't be canceled. <laughs> you can't cancel church any more than you can cancel a person. I know that we are living in a cancel culture, but you can't really cancel a person any more than you'll be able to cancel the church of God. Jesus promised that even the, the gates of hell would not prevail against the church. But there is a word or words for what's happening right now. Some call it a pause. Some call it a reset. Uh, have you ever noticed on your device or your, your computer or your phone, sometimes you have to do um, what's called a hard reset. You know, there's, a, there's something broken. <laughs> there's a virus. You need to do a hard reset. Some call it a factory reset. Here's the thing about doing a hard reset. When you do that, you're, you're bound to lose some things, right? And you have to be okay with that for the sake of the overall health of your phone or your computer or your device. We didn't choose this as a church, um, but because of a virus, there is a hard reset happening in the church and we may lose some things. Well, we will lose some things for sure, but I wonder if it might end up being for the overall health of the of the Big C Universal Church, and, and specifically for the small C church we call New Market Alliance. You know, some pundits are pushing back on this idea that, that we are in a, a cultural sea change. They're saying, well, you know, everybody's talking about how disruption, um, how this will permanently change some things. But the truth is, when the dust settles, we're going to go back to the way things were. Well, at least as it applies to the church and to Christianity, I'm kind of hoping we don't. We, we may very well have needed a disruptor like this to, to clarify our mission, to deepen our trust, to fix our eyes on Jesus. So we're in this series really based on what we're going through called, Can You Hear Me Now? Asking what God might be wanting to say to us in the midst of, of this COVID-19 crisis. And last week we got real personal, didn't we? Uh, for those of us who have lost jobs, um, having relationship issues, health issues, uh, dreams or opportunities that, that have fallen through, and we may be asking, why me? Why this? Why now? And I would not presume to know the answer to those God questions, but, but I wanted to propose maybe some possibilities and see if we would, you know, do the hard work of, of wrestling with some of these scenarios. See if God might be speaking through some of these to you. And last week, I proposed the possibility that the pain you are going through might possibly 
be revealing something to you with like a like a check engine light on your car. It, it, it might be revealing that a choice, a character trait, a, a dream, an idol um, that is counter to the life that God wants you to have is getting your attention. You know, I got to keep saying this every week because it, it can be so easily misunderstood. But listen, God did not make the virus. He didn't cause the virus. He gets no pleasure from the virus. But I believe in his wisdom and in his love and his grace, he could use aspects of this pandemic with all of its chaos and all of its turmoil and change to actually talk to you, to talk to me. I said last week that uh, God might allow pain and suffering to enter into your life um, to drive us to our knees. You know, C.S. Lewis talked about how pain is like a megaphone of God, sometimes to draw you to him and how that might actually be, in fact, the most loving thing God could do. So what else might God be saying or doing in the midst of maybe one of the hardest seasons of your entire life? And let me just pick it up with a few more possibilities. A third reason why God uh, might be allowing pain and suffering into your life is to strengthen you. We are all weak spiritually in some way and need strengthening in some way. Some of us are weak in a particular area. Now, and this sounds counterintuitive, doesn't it? Like pain and suffering and weakness in order to gain strength and health. But it's true. If you think about how it works with, with muscles, somebody like Greg Moulton could explain this better, but, but think about how it works with our muscles. You know, to build muscle, you have to what? You actually have to stress or, or tear the muscle after you work out. Your body repairs or replaces the damaged muscle fibers in a way that forms new muscle protein strands. Like, how do you think I got so ripped? Um, so it's the scarring process or the stressing of the muscle tissue that builds the muscles up and, and strengthens them. It's, it's kind of no different with your life. Our pain is often what has developed us, and strengthened us, matured us. You know, what has wounded us most deeply is often exactly what has made us who we are, or, or if it's happening in real time, making you who you will be. This is how the Bible puts it. It says, we also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces what? Perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. It reminds me of this old uh, legend I once read about a town in, in Germany that had a number of years of, of poor harvests, droughts, famine. And finally, the townspeople went to God at the beginning of the year and said, God, our harvests have been so bad for one year. Will you let us plan everything? Remember, this is a legend, not from Holy Scripture. But God said, all right, 
for one year. And so whenever they asked for rain, God sent rain. Whenever they asked for sun, God sent sun, just like they asked. And just as they believed it would happen, the corn never grew higher and the wheat never grew thicker. But then something interesting happened. When harvest came, they discovered that the tall corn had no ears and the thick wheat had no heads of grain. And they went back to God and said, God, you failed us. We asked for sun, you sent sun, and we asked for rain, and you sent rain, but there's no crop. And God said in this legend, no, I did exactly what you asked, but you never asked for the harsh north winds. And without the harsh north winds, there's no pollination. And with no pollination, there's no crop. We don't usually pray for the harsh north winds, do we? Here's one of the most important things that you'll ever get down, that you'll ever understand about what God is trying to do with you. God is in the soul-making business, your soul. And he will do whatever it takes to develop you spiritually. Thank goodness. Thank goodness that his perspective is eternal. He's looking at the big picture, not the, not the temporary pain. He's preparing you for eternity. And without wanting to sound trite, which I fear I could sound to some people, there are times where you can spiritually apply the phrase, no pain, no gain. <laughs> and so that brings me to a fourth reason why God just might allow certain things to happen to us. And what he might be wanting you to know about why me? Why this? Why now? And, and that is to be able to help someone else. This one is really tough to hear because when it comes to pain and suffering and fear and anxiety, our first inclination, let's be honest, is to be a little self-centered, self-absorbed, you know, turn inward, uh, make it about us. We become consumed with our own challenges, our own circumstances, our own condition. We rarely think about, you know, how this is affecting somebody else. Think about when we first started taking this virus seriously and we began to hear rumblings of like potential stay-at-home orders. What was the first thing a lot of people did? Stocked up, bought as much as we could or could afford so that we would have it. A lot of people didn't ask if me getting a lot would mean somebody would go without. What mattered was that we didn't go without, even if it meant people were having to use uh, old textbooks for toilet paper, I don't know. But what if caring about others is the main thing that God is wanting to get across to us through all of this? What if God is wanting to develop in you in very specific ways to serve others through what you're going through. This is how the Apostle Paul wrote about that possibility in the New Testament. Here's what he said. God comes alongside us when we go through hard times. and He brings us alongside someone else who is going through hard times so that we can be there for that person just as God 
was there for us. That's from the message, 2 Corinthians, in a very uh, modern way of saying uh, scripture. Have you considered that could be the agenda right now, that you're going through something right now so that you'll be able to help others through it later? Do you know how powerful that can be? How, how can someone who is warm ever understand someone who is cold? How can someone who is always full ever understand someone who's hungry? How can someone uh, offer comfort who has never themselves had to grieve? Like, don't you tend to look for people to help you, advise you, counsel you, who have been through whatever it is that you're going through? It's why our grief share leaders are able to offer comfort because they've lived it. It's why things like, honestly, like my depression, um, have opened doors for conversation with others who thought they were alone in this. For those of you who've been through divorce, abuse, cancer, all of a sudden you have the ministry of credibility for others going through it. Um, One of the books that was always in my parents' uh, bookshelf growing up and and a movie actually that we showed, you know, Sunday nights at church on the big reel-to-reel film projectors uh, was called The Hiding Place. It's the the biography of Corey Tenboom and her sister Betsy. Um, And they hid Jews in their home during World War II, hid them from Nazis but they were discovered and they were sent to the infamous, uh, how do you pronounce it? Ravensbrück concentration camp. Do you know what Corey's sister, Betsy said to her just before her death? Let me, let me quote her. She said, we must tell people what we have learned here. We must tell them that there is no pit so deep that God is not deeper still. They will listen to us, Corey, because we have been here. And folks, it's true. Parents who have lost a child are uniquely able to serve, to speak to to others who have lost a child. A woman who has gone through breast cancer can do more for a woman who has just been diagnosed than a thousand counselors. Um, So maybe the why is not about you at all, but what God wants to do through you for others, you lost a job, maybe you lost a business, maybe you lost a loved one. Maybe there will come a day when you can tell someone, I've been through that and I can help you through that. Okay, fifth reason why you might be going through difficult times in your life right now during this COVID is to allow God's power to be released in your life, to give God an opportunity to show himself, to reveal himself. Let me just uh, take you to an event that happened in the life and teaching of Jesus, and it's captured in, in John's biography of Jesus in the Bible. And here's what he writes. As Jesus was walking along, he saw a man who had been blind from birth. Rabbi, his disciples asked him, why was this man born blind? Was it because of his own sins or his parents' sins? Now stop right there. They assumed he was sick because of something 
he had done or that his family had done. In other words, uh, they could only look at this tragedy through the lens of karma, right? What goes around comes around. A lot of us tend to do that today, but let's keep reading. Jesus said it was not because of his sins or his parents' sins. This happened so the power of God could be seen in him. Skip ahead a bit. Then he spit on the ground, made mud with the saliva, and spread the mud over the blind man's eyes. He told him, go wash yourself in the pool of Siloam. So the man went and washed and came back seeing. And that is one reason why challenging, stressful, even painful times of chaos and suffering can come your way as an avenue for God's power to operate in your life, for you to unmistakably see God show up. And then from that, for those around you to see the same thing. This isn't simply about, you know, the supernatural removal or healing of what it is that is hurting you, though that can happen. And it can happen in 2020. But more often, it's through the experience of God's power and strength and activity in your life. As you go through dark times, having strength in the face of weakness, drawing from God and leaning on God in ways that, that clearly reveal the power and presence of God. I have been seeing uh, people who walk with Christ go through unbelievably hellish experiences. And I have seen as much activity of God there as if there had been a miracle. And in truth, it really was miraculous. Um, God didn't remove the storm, but he miraculously gave them the strength to stand in the storm in a way that was just mind-blowing to those around them. And so a man named Paul talked about this in regard to his own life in the Bible in a letter he wrote to a, a group of Christians. And uh, we, we studied this a few months ago. They were Christians in a um, metropolis called Corinth. And here's what he wrote in the New Testament. He says, I was given the gift of a handicap to keep me in constant touch with my limitations. Satan's angel did his best to get me down. What he in fact did was push me to my knees. No danger then of walking around high and mighty. At first I didn't think of it as a gift, I begged God to remove it. Three times I did that. And then he told me, my grace is enough. It's all you need. My strength comes into its own in your weakness. Once I heard that, I was glad to let it happen. I quit focusing on the handicap and began appreciating the gift. It was a case of Christ's strength moving in on my weakness. Now I take limitations in stride and with good cheer. These limitations that cut me down to size, abuse, accidents, opposition, bad breaks, I just let Christ take over. So the weaker I get, the stronger I become. Again, from the message, I think it's a beautiful translation. We don't know 
actually what Paul's suffering was. There's some traditions that say he was afflicted with some kind of disease that made him like a, a hunchback with severe orthopedic pain. Some have suspected uh, like a glaucoma. Um, that's probably the most likely reason based on what people have studied uh, that it left him nearly blind. We don't know. We don't know. It may not have even been physical. It, it could have been emotional. We just know that he suffered and he begged God to take it away. Now, when it says that he prayed three times, that wasn't like, you know, three prayers kind of over three minutes. The original Greek language gives the idea that he prayed for three seasons, three eras of, of prayer and fasting and petitioning, however long that was. Uh, and each season at the end, he had just, you know, spent himself spiritually praying. The suffering still remained. And then Paul began to see why he was, he was to be a demonstration of God's power to sustain a human life in the face of suffering. And for Paul, that power was real. This is how he talked about it to others. Again, in the letter to the Corinthians, he says, No test or temptation that comes your way is beyond the course of what others have had to face. All you need to remember is that God will never let you down. He'll never let you be pushed past your limit. He'll always be there to help you come through. 1 Corinthians 10, verse 13. Paul didn't just write that theoretically, okay? He knew it. He experienced it. He lived it um, as someone who suffered greatly while he wrote those words. Last thing, God might allow pain, he might allow suffering into your life in order to simply call you to trust in him like never before. Unwavering trust, trust in his character, trust in his will, trust in his control, trust in his ultimate goodness, even when it makes no sense to you. God could simply be using this time in your life to say, trust me and trust that I am working in this. And I think especially, especially when it, it doesn't make sense to us, because that's what trust is, right? That's, that's what faith is when you can't see, when you don't understand, when it doesn't make sense. That's when you have to trust in God's character, his control, his leadership, his love, no matter what it is swirling around you. Do you believe that he is good or not? Do you believe he's good? I'll never forget reading a story uh, of a father who had to take his three-year-old son to a doctor who had a, he had a severe ear infection, this little boy. And this was many, many years ago. And after the examining uh, of the boy, the doctor said to the to um, uh, the father that he had an infection on the eardrum. It had adhered itself, and it, it could only be treated by pulling the scab loose with a, a sharp instrument. And he warned the father that the procedure was going to hurt, and he'd actually need his assistance to help hold down the son on the table. So during the procedure, 
you can imagine the little boy just screamed. He, he didn't understand why they were hurting him and why his father wasn't doing anything about it and, and why he was holding him down and, and letting it happen. And what made it even worse was there was this horizontal mirror facing the backside of the examination table that allowed the little boy to look directly at his father's face while his father held him down. And the father said that what hurt him the most was this look on his little boy's face. He was screaming and he couldn't speak and he didn't understand what was going on. But his eyes were saying everything. They were saying, Daddy, why are you doing this to me? I thought you loved me. I never thought you would do anything like this. How could you? Won't you please stop, stop, stop them from hurting me? And there was no way for his father to articulate to his little boy that this suffering was actually for his own good. That he was actually trying to help him. That it was love that held him down on that table. All he could do is hope that this little boy would just trust him. And that is God the Father's hope for us. That we would trust him. This is a very important idea in the Bible. It's talked about at length. Probably it's put most succinctly in this verse in Romans 8.28. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him. Now, notice what was said. It didn't say that all things were good. <laughs> They're not. Only that in all things, God is working for the good of those who are in relationship with him. And that means all things. God is actively involved in your life using whatever happens or is happening for good. Let me, let me tell you one of my favorite stories before we close about this verse. I mentioned Corey Ten Boom already and her experience in the, the Nazi concentration camp earlier. Uh, the barracks where she and her sister were placed in Ravensbrück, terribly overcrowded, flea infested. They had been able to miraculously smuggle a Bible into the camp. And I do mean miraculously. She, she had the Bible around uh, a pouch that was around her neck. And as they entered the camp, everybody was stopped and frisked, often told to strip completely. So she would have been exposed. But when it came to her, somehow she walked right past the guards as if she didn't exist. It was like they never saw her. And in that Bible that they smuggled in, they had read this verse that in all things, they were to give thanks and that God can use anything for good. Can you imagine reading that in a concentration camp? Well, Corey's sister, Betsy, decided that that meant they should be thankful for the fleas. <laughs> And this was just too much for Corey, who said she would not, could not do such a thing. But Betsy insisted. And so Corey gave in and prayed to God and thanked him for 
the fleas. And then over the next several months, a wonderful, but very curious thing happened. They found that the guards never entered the barracks, never. No beatings, no sexual assaults, no abuse. They just didn't show up in those barracks at night. That's not all. It meant that when they had smuggled that Bible, they were able to do the unthinkable. They were able to hold open Bible studies and prayer meetings in the middle of a Nazi concentration camp. And because of that, they saw countless women come to faith in Christ. Only at the end did they discover why the guards had left them alone and wouldn't enter their barracks. It was because of the fleas. Now, evil is evil. Suffering is suffering. Pain is pain. The existence of concentration camps is not the way the world is meant to be. But God is still working through it all. If you'll hear what he's trying to say. I struggle with a teaching like this, not because I don't believe in its truth, but because in my humanness, my lack of maybe articulating things well or in the right way, I will have unintentionally trivialized someone's pain. The hardest thing that you've ever been through in your life, you've just felt was glossed over in a seven-point sermon. May this not have sounded flippant. Forgive me if it did. I would, I would just point you to the scripture used today. Forget my words. Let the words of God be your source of teaching and hope and encouragement and correction. Let me pray for you. Dear Lord, um, I, I'm greatly moved today as I ponder your compassionate heart for the broken and the suffering. Surely there's no savior like you entering in, not running from our chaos, you know, taking, not despising our shame. Justice will be fully victorious because you have been the willing sufferer. And like most, I have this aversion to pain and suffering. Like most, I would love if the Christian life were actually an antidote for discomfort and distress. And like some, I get overwhelmed and overtaxed by sufferings of others. But may my peace, my consolation be you, Jesus. You're not calling us to suffer for you, but to suffer with you. And that makes all the difference in the world. We're called into the fellowship of your sufferings, not into the isolation of our sufferings. You'll never lead us into hard places where you're not present. You'll never ask us to do anything all by ourselves. You'll never leave us. You'll never forsake us. Jesus, you will lead justice to victory. And in your name, all the nations will put their hope. I pray this in your kind and compassionate name. And all God's people said, I think I heard somebody. I'm so glad that you could... Um, Join us this way for church, for a church service. And uh, it's important. Uh, 
that you stay connected this way in our worship and in our communication and in our teaching. And stay connected in the message boards um, just, just to feel a little bit of the, I don't know, the community that is New Market Alliance Church. Um, more than watching a church service, though, you know what I'm going to tell you. Will you now go be the church? You are sure love people. God bless you.